welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC's Talking Recruitment podcast, where we look at all the latest issues around the uh, coronavirus crisis and the industries navigating of it and some of the issues that are thrown up by where we are now, both economically and in tackling the public health threat. My name is Neil Carberry. I'm the REC's Chief Executive, and uh, today we'll be looking a bit more globally at uh, what's going on in the recruitment sector. But first, just a, a few things to mention to you. Uh, clearly, your REC team are still working very hard with government to get the uh, policy framework right for the industry's uh, recovery, very much focused now on building back better out of the crisis of March, April and May, uh, thinking about how we tackle rising unemployment in the UK, some really innovative work going on there with the Treasury and with DWTP, but also how we make sure that we can navigate the ending of the furlough scheme effectively. And that's particularly important in terms of understanding uh, firms' liability and protecting agencies from any future HMRC inspections. Those are things that are very close to the REC's heart. Alongside that, keeping you safe on all the legal questions you have, do take a look at the new uh, legal video FAQs that we've launched featuring our, uh, our our legal team here at the REC. They're available on the website and on our social media feeds. A really good little bit of content there to help you think about some of those big legal questions you might be facing at the moment. Now, turning to today's podcast, delighted to welcome my good friend, Denis Pinnell from the WEC. Uh, Denis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Very much appreciated uh, the invitation. And Denis, maybe uh, for those listeners who uh, who don't know the WEC too well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organisation? Yeah, WEC stands for the World Employment Confederation. And in a nutshell, we are actually the IC of the world. You know, we, we do exactly what you do at the, uh, at the UK level, but at the European and the global level, meaning representing on the one hand, you know, the employment and recruitment industry vis-a-vis uh, -vis our key stakeholders, uh, policymakers mostly, but international organizations such as the ILO, the International Labour Organization in, in Geneva, the OECD in Paris, the World Bank in, in Washington, D.C as well as, of course, creating this community of, uh, of professionals uh, from the industry. So bringing our members together so they can share practices, they can learn from each other. Uh, we have actually two types of members. We have on the one hand national federations, uh, and we have 50 countries being represented within the World Employment Confederation. And then we have also corporate members, which are the largest, you know, workforce solutions companies from, uh, from around the world, namely the ADECO, Manpower, Randstad, uh, Kelly Services, uh, and so on. So a really broad role there, bringing together the, the major international businesses and national federations like the REC. Clearly, the the impact of this uh, coronavirus crisis has been significant in almost every labour market around the world, but also quite different from country to country. I know the, uh, the WEC have been helping uh, uh, helping recruitment bodies from different parts of the world talk about the lessons they've learned 
learned recently. Um, what are perhaps one or two of the things that have uh, popped into uh, the WEC's thinking from those discussions? First of all, I think, I mean, this crisis is a bit different from the one, the, the last one we faced, uh, which was in, in 2008 and the aftermath of the uh, financial and economic crisis. Uh, clearly, the impact was uh, stronger and faster than in 2008. Uh, if you look at the figures, you know, uh, in terms of working hours, uh, for the for the month of March, for instance, and and this is a global average, and the uh, the number of working hours within the industry has decreased by 25 percent, and then even worse in April, because in most of the countries this is when the, uh, the containment and the lockdown measures, you know, uh, started, uh, the decrease was even stronger, you know, minus 40 percent, so much faster, much deeper than the the, the, the previous crisis. So this is worth uh, uh, noting, and also the difference in is that in, in 2008, you know, uh, it was not such a global crisis. You know, some countries were affected first and then some others followed. This time, almost, you know, all the world was uh, affected by the crisis at the same time. So very different crisis with indeed a strong impact, uh, of course, on the on the sales revenues of our industry. So very tough situation in many countries. Uh, indeed, as you mentioned, some countries reacted differently, but overall, you know, uh, a, a very strong and very deep impact on, on our industry. But interesting to note, I think, uh, uh, and this is also a big difference compared to, to the previous crisis, what we have seen is that even in countries where we face some very strict, you know, uh, lockdown measures and containment measures, the industry managed to keep on operating. And I think that's a big difference, you know, compared to the previous crisis. And of course, on the one hand, this is due to the uh, digitalization of our industry and the fact that, you know, almost immediately from one day to another one, most of the staffing companies were able still to uh, to deliver services to, 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 to clients, you know, thanks to online tools, like, you know, video interviewing, uh, skill online skills assessment, e-signature for, for labor contracts. You know, 20 years ago, this would not have been uh, made possible. So that's a big difference. And this is explaining, indeed, on the one hand, why the industry managed to, uh, uh, to keep on operating. But I would say even more important, there is a second uh, dimension there, is the fact that in many countries, our industry has been recognized as being essential to the continuity of, of the economy, meaning that, you know, even in the worst period of time, we're still able to assign agency workers because, again, we're recognized as essential. And I think that's also a big difference compared to the previous crisis. The role and the key contribution of our industry into, you know, uh, supporting businesses, supporting the economy, despite the, the crisis, was clearly recognized from the beginning. And it's interesting uh, to note that, as I mentioned, you know, on average, I would say the industry uh, sales revenues decreased by uh, by 40% in April. That means that we were still able to provide you know, 60% of the sales revenues, meaning that 60% of the agency workers were still at work, despite these very strong and very harsh uh, lockdown measures. So it also clearly illustrates the fact that our industry play a key role, plays a key role, sorry, in, in this crisis and actually supporting other essential services uh, like the retail sector, like the, uh, the private security sector, like, uh, of course, the healthcare sector. It is thanks to the agency workers that we were able still to assign to these sectors that they were able to, to also continue operating. And I think that's a very important point to, to be uh, highlighted. Uh, the fact that, yeah, 
because of the employment and recruitment industry, many essential services were able to access talents and the skills they were looking for to maintain their own operation. And just to give you a figure also on, on the role we play in, in reallocating workers from you know, hard hit sectors to uh, still high in demand sectors, once again, like healthcare or retail. Um, in Netherlands, during the first weeks of the, of the lockdown measures, the number of agency workers there decreased by uh, 45,000. 45,000 agency workers lost their job within the first weeks of the, of the crisis. Within the next couple of weeks, the industry managed to reassign half of these workers to new positions in high demand sectors. So quite, uh, you know, very efficiently and in, in very fast speed. So we managed, you know, to, to move people around to transit, you know, the workers from uh, uh, very hard hit sectors to uh, sectors where demands uh, was high in terms of skills. So this is once again illustrating the role we play as an industry in, in smoothing the functioning of the labor market in times of uh, you know economic growth but even more important in times of economic crisis. Denis that's fascinating and if we look at the UK example there Torsten Bell of the Resolution Foundation who's a previous uh, guest on the podcast um, uh, shared with us some, some work that uh, Resolution had done on workers experiences of losing hours and losing jobs in the crisis in March and into April and it was clear that of all the forms of non-open-ended uh, permanent employment agency workers had lower experience of disruption than other forms of uh, uh, of work and I think that speaks to the ability of agencies to redeploy people and certainly what we've seen here in the UK over the last couple of weeks some very positive discussions with Department for Work and Pensions in the in the government here about uh, partnering with uh, private sector employment agencies on tackling the coming unemployment uh, crisis, which we all know many countries will face, uh, because of course the expertise that the industry can bring to bear in uh, finding people pathways into work is unmatched in other parts of the uh, of the the labour market. So I think that that second point you made around the industry being seen as much more essential. Now, I absolutely see day to day in our work at the REC with the British government and, you know, our experience in terms of revenue for temporary agency work probably is very similar to the to the kind of global examples you, you've cited around um, revenues for temporary work down maybe by 40 to 45%. Of course, um, varying very much sector by sector. And it's definitely the case that some of our members uh, placed a lot of people into healthcare, but particularly um, intensive care, because obviously there was a, a big drop in other forms of healthcare provi provision in the market. Also, um, food retail, logistics, agriculture and food manufacturing, where um, actually we were talking back in March to the government about what would happen if there weren't enough people in that food supply chain. And REC members working with their clients were able to uh, help uh, stores move up 45,000 is the number of the day that you uh, mentioned from the Netherlands. We know that Tesco, uh, one of the leading supermarkets here, brought on 45,000 members of staff 
in uh, at the beginning of the crisis so that they could do more online delivery they could do more uh they could open the stores more safely and those things um of course are absolutely enabled by our industry in terms of what you've seen around the world though are there differences between jurisdictions or good ideas that you've seen in some places that you think should be traveling uh, to other uh, to other countries as they as we try to build back better from all of this yeah no absolutely but Maybe once again to get back to to what you just said, because I think also the reason why the, the, this time the industry, you know, was better recognized for the positive role it plays in the labor market is also because our industry has become, you know, stronger today than it was also uh, during the previous crisis. And this we are seeing, you know, across the different national federations we are representing, you know, this industry is today, you know, better organized, uh, better represented. Uh, there had been some consolidation in, in the industry. There had been new services being delivered by, um, by employment and recruitment companies, not only doing, you know, temporary uh, assignments, but also, you know, permanent recruitment, of course, but also training, career management, uh, and so on. And this has also, you know, increased not only the image of the industry, but also its capacity to deliver what was expected and what is expected from, from our industry. If we look around the world, what we see is that, of course, depending on where the country uh, stays in terms of, you know, being impacted by the, the crisis. Of course, the reaction from the industry is very different. You know, at the first phase of the uh, of the pandemic, you know, the priority was, of course, for national federations, for instance, to support their members. So to, to provide, you know, uh, legal assistance to understand, you know, the new measures being adopted by governments to make sure that the workers are being assigned to uh, uh, to the undertakings, you know, in, 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 in full security in health and safety and, and that health and safety protocols are being uh, uh, respected. So it was really the, the priority measures to be uh, to be adopted by uh, uh, by our members. And in some countries, we really see a very uh, highly, you know, committed uh, federations. And for instance, in Norway, you know, they, they have put in place uh, a, a legal desk help, you know, for their members available seven days a week, you know, so seven out seven. Uh, so to make sure that the members can at any time access this uh, legal support um, in some of the countries, you know, uh, a lot of documents have been produced for members there again to understand the situation and, and to have some template documents so they can quickly adapt to the uh, to the situation. That was really the first, I would say, the, the first reaction. Then you see in some countries where, uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic has been there for a while, then clearly the other priority was to ensure that the support and the relief measures uh, adopted, you know, step by step by, by governments are being fully applicable to our industry. Uh, as you know, the, 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 uh, the, the David is always in the details. So in most of the countries, our industry was covered by, you know, the, the short-time working schemes being adopted, some, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, rebates on, on taxes to be paid, on social charges to be uh, to be paid. But sometimes, you know, industry was not fully able to, uh, to get access to these uh, supporting measures because of red tape, because of uh, some thresholds being put. So Clearly, there again, our members really had, for, had, had sorry, 
fought hard to, to get these measures to be fully applicable to, to our industry. So there also we have some, some very good examples. And then back to what you said about the, re de the, the deployment of workers to, to new sectors. There again, in a couple of countries, we see very interesting examples, like again, Netherlands, but also in France, where some online platforms have been specifically created to facilitate this reallocation of the workers. And in France, there had been a very good cooperation with uh, the public employment services and the, 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 uh, the job, uh, job centers of the UK. In France, so the uh, public employment services created a platform to facilitate you know, the, the matching between the, uh, the supply and the demand of workers in times of crisis. And our member, Prisma Pro, really acted actively there to, uh, to post job vacancies and to make sure that uh, the job vacancies actually uh, were met with some uh, candidates. So, um, because I think this is also one of the lessons from the crisis. Huh? Nobody was able to solve the crisis on its own, so cooperation uh, was key there. Huh? And every labor market intermediary has to work with the others, with the government, to make sure that uh, uh, things are getting uh, improved. Uh, in the U.S., the, the American Staffing Association, or member for, for the industry in the U.S., even signed uh, an agreement with the retail sector to make sure also that uh, you know supermarkets and, and and shops have access to the white talents there, uh, thanks to very good cooperation with the, the staffing firms um, in the U.S. So this is just an example, but we have seen in many countries, yeah, agreements, you know, partnerships between different stakeholders to make sure that uh, uh, they were all working in the same direction uh, with the idea to put back at work as many people as possible, but of course in a healthy and secured way. Yeah? Uh, that was key. One of the key priorities for the, from this industry was to make sure that uh, every worker, you know, was uh, uh, was safe and, and working in a healthy uh, working conditions uh, during the time of, uh, of of the crisis. Look, I think a lot of that resonates with our UK experience, the kind of partnership that we forged with the government to tackle unemployment now, which is really taking, I think, really going to take off over the next few months. The, the work we had to do with the Treasury and with uh, the Department for Business on making sure that um, a, uh, agencies were pro properly covered by some of the support schemes uh, and indeed the work we're still having to do in terms of issues like uh, treating agencies fairly on uh, statutory sick pay coverage, but also moving through into the next stage of understanding the strength of the industry. You talk about the strength of the industry globally. I most often start most of my presentations by talking about the two millions in UK recruitment. That's a million people placed into new permanent jobs every year and a million temporary uh, workers placed onto work sites every day. So a £35 billion sector, which you know is really much more looked to now at the UK level, but also so um, across Europe and globally as a real thought leader and key player on some of these big issues around work and obviously the future of work, but also the sustainability of work now in the, in the light of both the, the kind of global recession, which I think we all know we're currently experiencing, and um, the uh, the the kind of future of safe working from from uh, COVID uh, as we as we recover. So I think that that's a kind of new space for the industry to be. And I think it's quite important that we grab hold of it, both globally in the work you're doing and uh, and in the UK in the work that I'm doing in the 
kind of interactions between us. One of the things that was very notable in the crisis was uh, two or three of the uh, the large firms in the sector globally starting to talk to each other and with you and with me and other federations around the world about kind of leading the way on safely returning to work. So as we come out of the COVID crisis in lots of jurisdictions, what's the uh, what's the WEC agenda around uh, helping us uh, safely resume uh, a more normal form of work? Well, that's a very good question because indeed we are now entering into a new phase when it comes to this pandemic. And most of the countries, the uh, the lockdown measures are being eased. You know, people can you know uh, again you know go out, uh, enjoy themselves. You know, uh, restaurants and bars are reopening. You know, in many countries. And of course, people will uh, will go back to uh, uh, not to work because uh, let's not forget that many people keep on working, you know, via teleworking or remote working. So it's more safely back to the workplace. Huh? And there, indeed, we have still to be careful about the uh, the health and safety uh, measures. But again, if you if you compare to the beginning of the of the crisis, where you know most of the members of WEC were you know reacting and 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 adopting you know uh, urgent measures now, we see our members starting to move to the next phase, which is indeed what are the lessons learned from the crisis and how we can reposition our industry to demonstrate that we have been playing a key role in tackling the crisis, but also that as an industry, we will have a key role to play uh, on the road to recovery, uh, uh, you know, driving the economic recovery. And there we see many members already being active into that field. Again, just to give you two examples, in Australia, you know, the RCSA, the the trade body for, for the employment and recruitment industry, published a very interesting piece of research, you know, two weeks ago with a lot of, you know, hard facts uh, and, and statistics showing what is the role of our industry in facilitating transitions, in, in again redeploying workers from one sector to another one, in creating stepping stone and, and work opportunities for for people. Uh, a very other good example is the campaign launch in in Ireland uh, under the, the title uh, "Keep Ireland Working." Or there again. The industry really did well to to demonstrate the added value that we provide to uh, to the labor market. So this is for WC the next phase also uh, to reposition the industry to really uh, build on the lessons learned from the from the crisis and to demonstrate uh, to policymakers to our stakeholders that. We as an industry, we really have a key role to play in, in ensuring better functioning labor markets. And for this, we, we, we are actually starting a new, uh, a new project. As you might know, you mentioned this alliance between three big companies on the health and safety measures. Actually, WEC is going to take over this initiative with the agreement of the three funding companies, uh, the, the Manpower, Deco, and Randstad, uh, because this is really an initiative that should be driven by the full you know, industry and by the trade association representing the industry at the global level. But we will not only you know, uh, keep on working on this initiative, but we will expand it, broaden it to really think about, okay, how do we need to reposition our industry? What kind of arguments do we need to use to demonstrate the added value we play? Um, and, and I think that it's really interesting because well, this is very much still work in progress, huh? but I think the key lessons also we've learned from this crisis is that you know there are nowadays many labor market intermediaries huh, operating. 
And it seems that our industry has a specific role to play versus the other labor market intermediaries because uh, there is a specificity of our industry, which is the fact that we remain the employer of the agency workers in most of the countries uh, we operate. And that gives us some specific, you know, uh, uh, rights, but also duties vis-a-vis the members. And as you mentioned, within the different forms of work, our industry has been the one really, you know, pushing and working hard, you know, the hardest to protect, you know, workers, to make sure that they have access to uh, support and relief measures, but also to make sure that they uh, are able to find new work opportunities. So in a way, we we are now being seen as, uh, you know, responsible employers and labor market intermediaries. Uh, We have been, you know, demonstrating that we we are there to protect, you know, the most vulnerable people also in the labor market, uh, to protect the unprotected, uh, as we could say. Um, I think in this very... uh, uh, difficult time. We have also shown that uh, shown sorry that we we provide more you know diversity and inclusion in the labor market. You know, bringing people that are the furthest away from the labor market, and we manage to bring them into the labor market. Uh, and of course, we are doing that. You know, supporting also business uh, competitiveness huh? because if there is no companies you know in good shape to uh, to work to operate and to recruit people, uh, all our activities would be useless. So. I think this is really what we are now looking at, you know, to position the industry in this uh, uh, time of uh, economic recovery and not only to, to, to support, but to drive the economic recovery and yeah? to, to contribute, to create more jobs, to bring people, uh, more people back to work and to the workplace. Uh, and then we really have a very specific role to play because indeed also of the very unique network of professionals we have from all around the world. You mentioned the figures for, for the UK and the number of uh, uh, professional recruiters, but we have the best network in the world, uh, bringing together companies, branches, uh, industries, uh, as well as online tools, obviously. But we as an industry, we have you know so many professional consultants helping people to, uh, to navigate this changing world of work that we should really be recognized as such and we have much more you know consultants and and branches and physical networks than the public employment services all around the world so clearly as the private sector we we have a key role to play on top of that we don't cost anything to the uh, to the public uh, budget because we are indeed private sector compared to the public employment services so this should be really recognized and, and promoted and and again i'm very optimistic about the way our industry has uh, gone through this crisis because uh, I think we will be even stronger after the crisis uh, and we will really have managed to to improve our image and to demonstrate you know the, the key role we play in the labor market. Great piece of insight and yeah thinking about that additional capacity and capability we have in in the private sector here in the UK the industry employs over 100,000 people and one of the conversations I was having just last week with some senior government officials was that the capacity of job centres and of uh, employability providers is is strained at the moment by everything that's going on with COVID-19 whereas we have the capacity to to help out now and we're looking at different ways we might do that likewise the the kind of scale and importance of the industry to to the future 
social and economic success of countries, uh, uh, which you also touched on, I think is absolutely right. And uh, certainly the next stage in our research program here at the REC is looking at, you know, what is the difference in really quantifiable terms that the industry makes to the UK every year? And, and using that as a platform to talk about the many good things that uh, firms have done during this time to, uh, to keep people protected, to keep clients uh, uh, successful, uh, which hopefully we'll be able to build on as, as things improve. Well, we're coming towards the end of the, the pod now, Denis, and one of the things I like to ask people occasionally is, you know, our listeners are typically uh, owners or directors of recruitment businesses. Uh, if you had one piece of advice for them at the moment at this stage of the the COVID-19 crisis, what would it be? I would say speak out, you know, be proud of what you do. I mean, again, probably the, the added value of our industry is underestimated. It's not always uh, as we cognize, as well recognized as we would like. So never be afraid to speak out, to explain what you do on a daily basis. And it's amazing what, you know, the uh, the, the recruitment consultants uh, are doing on a daily, on a day-to-day basis, you know, serving companies, serving uh, uh, job seekers, candidates. So yeah, be proud and speak out. Thank you, Denis, and thank you for taking the time to join us today on the pod. Oh, my pleasure. You are always welcome. And thank you, everyone, for listening in on this latest edition of the REC podcast. Join us again for uh, for another episode of Talking Recruitment. If you would like to have a dig through the back catalogue, some really good previous episodes in there. If you want to understand the, what the latest on what the Chancellor's recently announced changes to the furlough scheme look like, episode 19 with myself and the REC's uh, legal helpline lead, Lorraine Larry, is a cracking listen. If you're thinking about your, where your clients' heads are, episode 17 with Ruth Penfold from BP Launchpad is another really good listen. Equally, if you're thinking about your own staff, the uh, previous episode of the uh, podcast with Nita Clark, episode 20, is all about how to do the right thing while having to make some pretty tough decisions in your business. So have a look at those three, possibly, if you're thinking about a little bit more recruitment content now that you've finished this episode of the podcast. But uh, thank you again for listening, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again on the next episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.